0: Doing proper planning and buying the right materials, the right goods, the right unit setup—you um, know—really doing the research and, and actually creating an intentional home um, is is the real gem and the real key to success. You lose a lot of money, time, um, good goodwill—you name it—and um, it's a lot of stress to to panic and do this very quickly. Um, so I think having some intention when you go into um, setting up a home. Uh, especially in this space and just with with what you want to do uh if you're going to go in this industry I think is really is really important so I would say be intentional with your decision try to try to really commit if you're going to commit everybody want to get the bag but you don't really know what it's gonna take trying to figure out how to start now blue jeans gotta show you the no way. cuz we're top five ag dropping blue gems new podcast baby tune in we in this thing dropping blue gems
1: let's go let's go blue gems with jeff Alulian from hostgpo man what a pleasure
0: so excited yeah very excited to be here thank you guys
1: here in austin texas let's go at the imn short-term forum event super super stoked man tell us how you got started in real estate in general What's us host GPO and uh, let's go from
0: there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I got started in the in the short-term rental space about seven, eight years ago. Um, I was uh, practicing as a lawyer. I was working at a, a big law firm. And I remember reading an article uh, about somebody doing lease arbitrage in New York back in like maybe 2013. And I was like, wow, what a crazy idea. And I just remember uh, being in, in LA, I did my first lease arbitrage deal, which I can tell you guys about, which was a pretty wild business model the way I did it. Um, but after I had my first property, went to five, went to 10, uh, quit my my law job and grew that business to 150 vacation rentals. I uh, was operating that uh, and uh, host GPO, uh, which is a company that we started about two and a half years ago, is really grew out of uh, one of the problems that I saw running my business, which was, we are a group purchasing organization, GPO. And one of the problems I was having was buying furniture, linens, mattresses, uh rugs, amenities, all that kind of stuff at scale, or just not paying retail pricing for it, right? Being able to get it at a discount, being able to get quality product. Um, so that was kind of how host GPO started. And that's like the the overarching journey of how I got into vacation rentals and kind of how host GPO started. Love that.
1: So where are you now? Are you still investing? Are you still doing the lease arbitrage? Where are you at? portfolio.
0: So I still have uh, a handful of vacation rentals, um, under 10, but I have a portion of the company that is still running, uh, the rest of, of the rentals. I am fully focused on host GPO, which has really become uh, a big group. I mean, we have over 200,000 units right now between all of our members. So we, it's a very, very much a full-time job. And, uh, really that's what I spend most of my time doing. Uh, but really hard to give up, give up, you know, the last couple of properties there, they're good ones. You know, I, I really like them. 100%.
2: So GPO, group purchasing organization, can you explain to the listeners what exactly that means?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So GPOs are, they exist in other industries. So they exist in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, in healthcare, in food, in pretty much most major industries have GPOs. And the way it works is you pull together all the collective buying power of a group. And you go to vendors. So we partner with brands like West Elm or uh, Public Goods or Standard Textile or Rugs USA. I mean, we have uh, dozens of brand partners. And we'll go to them and say, hey, we're buying at a group of 200,000 people or 200,000 units at once. Um, What kind of rates can we get? What kind of terms can we get? We negotiate for really specific things like you know, shipping or, uh, you know, low shipping or to free shipping, uh, being able to ship to different addresses, the types of things that are important for vacation rental companies with the types of brands that are important. Um, And so GPOs really are meant to, rather than have everybody trying to figure out where, what mattresses to buy or which linens to buy, or having to sample a bunch of different things and, you know, negotiate on their own, they're really meant to harness the collective buying power of a group and create more streamlined procurement solutions, which is a really ridiculous way of saying, you know, make it easier to buy things that are the right things at cheaper prices. Um, so that's really what, what a GPO is, uh, they're they're they work slightly differently in every industry, but the short-term rental industry really needed one because what we need in our units is very different than what a hotel would need, um, or what a hospital would need. Right. So really going out to those types of brands and, and getting those, those deals for our group was, was really important. So I imagine
2: your your brand and company becomes more powerful as you get more hosts on board, right? And so, what at what point would it make sense for someone to sign up for HostGPO? Like, how many units would they need to have, or you know, what would their what would their portfolio size need to look like?
0: Yeah, great question. So I would say if you are setting up an entire new home, um, HostGPO is a really big benefit to you just because you're about to spend a lot all at once. And then in general, anybody with three or more units uh, should really, you're buying enough linens and replacements of linens throughout the year. You're buying enough shampoo. You're buying enough amenities that like you'll really see that difference. So um, our largest members have thousands of units. Uh, They're also a part of the group. They're also benefiting from that kind of group purchasing power. Uh, And our smaller members, you know, have anywhere 3, 10, uh, 20. And we really help scale. Uh, We help them scale so
1: you've been in the industry for a while now especially revolving around furniture and mattresses linens and stuff like that have you seen um, any advantageous reasons to go you know maybe a little bit more expensive on furniture versus maybe cheaping out and then the longevity of the two
0: yeah 100 percent. so i personally made every I, I did every i did all of it right i i did the Ikea route. I did the Wayfair route. I did Facebook marketplace. I did, I went to a flea market with a 24 foot truck and, you know, eight movers and just bought half the flea market. I mean, I I have done a lot of different types of setups. And so what I learned and what I think a lot of the more professional people in the space have learned is there are certain places to spend your money, um, contract commercial grade furniture, like so from West Elm, right. They have a, a tier of furniture called contract grade. And what that means is it's actually graded for commercial use. So it'll be in a hotel. It'll be in a restaurant. They're buying the same type of furniture because it's meant to be used. And what you learn is that if you go and you you play Wayfair Roulette or you, um, you know, go in and buy from Ikea, you lose out on so much. First of all, the furniture, if it lasts, you know, a year or two, the replacement cost on furniture isn't just the actual cost of buying the new thing it's maybe refunding the guests that couldn't get the bed open or that the chair broke on for you know whatever it is then you got to block off if it's a couch right you got to block off the day or or try to get in there in that four-hour turnover and get a movers uh you know trash removal to come out coordinate the delivery of the new item you know it's logistical it's time intensive you have to find what you're going to get it has to match you have to remember what it was right all of those things maybe you have to take photography again i mean the the cost of rebuying something because it breaks is so much higher than buying a good piece of contract-grade furniture right and i'm not saying every piece of furniture needs to be contract-grade right if it's the credenza in the side corner no, nobody's really going to use that but like your dining table your couch your bed frames like those things really should be at your coffee table right those things should be contract grade, and you really should focus on on investing and, and buying the right Goods. I mean, everybody focuses on automation in this business, right? How do you automate it, set it and forget it, get your check in the mail, um, you know, passive income. These types of problems are the most logistically complicated. Uh, they take they take the most amount of time. They're the most frustrating because uh, they're all unique. And so, you know, talking about buying the right thing up front uh, and, and setting it and forgetting it. I mean, this is the same type of thing. Like, you need to buy a piece of furniture that's going to last um so you know hotels do this all the time they they know the playbook we should really be taking a page out of their you know playbook that industry has been around and, and very developed so I think there's things that we can learn from them
1: yeah they've done all the due diligence and heavy lifting so yeah let's just copy what they've done so
2: super smart yeah so as investors ROI is super important right so what furniture items are you seeing getting the highest ROI for your investors and your hosts within your within your brand?
0: Yeah, so I think that it's a it really depends. I think there isn't enough data. I, I think we've gotten to the point in the industry where we're starting to see data come in about like, this is how much extra in this market you can get for having a jacuzzi, right? But nobody was really getting down to like having this bed versus that bed. Um, you know, there's not, those metrics aren't super detailed. But what I can tell you is that I know where a lot of um professional operators, I know where a lot of people I know where myself and my my business where we spent the most money. And so there are really clever ways to do it. So here's a great example we talk about mattresses. So which mattress should I buy is always a question that Host GPL members ask. We have partners with we partnerships with Helix which goes all the way luxury. We have access to a hospitality mattress that they don't offer to the general public and then we have a partnership that's, you know, competes with Um, you know, even less expensive than the Zenus mattress that people buy on Amazon, right? Like, so we've spanned that whole gamut. And why do we do that? Because I'm not going to tell somebody, hey, you should spend on your mattress. I'm going to say, what is your vacation rental listing? What are are you doing? Are you hosting people who are staying for more than 30 nights? Are you hosting people that are ever going to stay for more than a week? Or are you just doing two night bachelorette parties in Nashville? Or are you, you know, what is your market? And if somebody's staying there for over a week, it's really important that, they have a mattress that they can actually sleep on. They're going to be more sensitive to it. Anybody can sleep on a mattress for a couple nights, right? I think you should still have a nice mattress, et cetera, but focus on, you know, getting, you get ROI from having better reviews because somebody's sleeping on a, uh, you know, on a good mattress for a long period of time. Um, also, we tell people like, you don't have to put the same thing, same mattress in every, in every room, right? Focus on putting a really quality mattress in the main bedrooms, the ones where the person who booked it who's leaving the review is sleeping. And then if you want to put a a lesser or inexpensive mattress on the twin beds in the, you know, kids room, that's totally okay. Um, But again, where's the ROI coming from? Um, Like, I think another way to think about that in in the furniture buying is what's worth spending on, like how do what's worth spending on? So quality beds in the bedrooms, contract grade furniture that's going to last on the heavy use areas. And then I see a lot of people really focusing on the hero shots right? So what's your listing? What's the room you want to showcase? What's going to be on the main thing and put your money into that room. Buy the really cool piece of art for that wall. That's going to be your main shot. Anyways, you don't have to spend on every single room, you know, the same, make sure that your main, main room and your main, main things that you're, that you're showcasing in your, in your photos are actually, you know, producing ROI for you on the back end.
2: And then, as we're thinking about you know host GPO, you're bringing on a lot of new companies, a lot of new brands. Do you have any criteria that you're looking for when when looking for someone to partner with?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing especially recently has been uh, developing brand partnerships where we have access to and can see and manage uh, inventory. There's crazy shipping delays right now. Um, Inventory has been up and down over the last couple of years. And so because of the volume that we do as a group, we want to make sure that we have access to inventory. So we only partner with brands that we think can actually supply nationally. We're in the U S and Canada. So nationally and our Canadian partners the same way. And then we won't do a partnership with a brand that is off the shelf, right? So you can go and sign up on a on a website uh, and, you know, put your email address in and get that 10% off or whatever. That's not what we're looking for. We're, we're negotiating uh, discounts that are uh, the best in class. So 30%, 40%, 60%, 70%, depending on which brand it is. And one criteria that we have is that our group gets the best pricing. Nobody should be waiting until Black Friday to get, you know— I mean, I did it like I waited until Black Friday and bought, you know, 50 TVs or, or whatever it was at the time. I mean, we have members who we ask, where do you get your linens from? And they say, oh, well, we wait until Black Friday and then we run around to every single, you know, Costco or, or Home Goods or whatever, and we buy whatever linens they have that day. What if, if they're matching or not? And that's how we do our linen program. And that's that's not a good way to operate. I mean, there's like 10 reasons why that's wrong. You know, I, I get it. You might save a little bit here and there. Maybe that maybe that's going to work, but you can't develop a consistent product. Your units are all going to look different. You might not be able to get that product again um, in the future. Uh, the amount of time it takes to run around, the amount of cash flow that that would take to store units for you know uh, store linens perhaps for an entire year on an outlay or more, just because that's your you know purchasing. Like it doesn't make sense. If you run out, you have to buy more. If you expand, then you have to pay retail price to have consistency. So again, it's. Um, you know, one thing that is a really important part of our criteria is that you're always able to access, you know, that Black Friday or better deal um, from the vendors that we partner with and that they're going to have the product in stock. Man, love it.
2: So you're at
1: 200,000 units. That's a lot of buying power. Yeah. So, I mean, my wife and I actually use HostGPO and it's worked wonders. Um, One question that I have, in regards to advice for host furniture wise, like one thing that we did was uh, we added duvet covers to all of our beds and that changed the functionality between our our cleaners. Do you have any advice on functionality when it comes to furniture and and design setup?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, as far as functionality, I mean, especially when you, when you get into like linens, like you're talking about, right. There are certain things like, most people get to a point where they decide that they're not going to buy sets of sheets anymore. They're going to buy uh, cases of flat sheets and they only use flat sheets, right? N- eliminating a skew is like a functionality thing, an operational hack that you can, you can do that will allow you to not have to worry about how many fitted sheets do I have in storage? How many flat sheets do I have in storage? You know, just using one, being able to purchase, you know, from a vendor where you can just buy a box of flat sheets is a huge, huge asset. So functionality wise, I think, thinking about the, the operation of, of a unit in that way functionality uh there are things you can do like that in terms of you know setting up the unit in a way that that is oriented for reordering oriented for ability to save time i mean just having flat sheets taves, saves a lot of time too and making the bets um as far as functionality on other things um yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not totally sure uh like what what other things have you kind of you know experienced or or you know other than the duvet things, what what sorts of functionality items have you seen that have worked for you? Yeah. So like
1: yesterday you were on the panel and and you said that like in some of the bedrooms, maybe you might elect to put a painting instead of a TV, you know, and longevity wise, you don't have problems with TVs. There you go. You have, you know, that option. So I was just wondering if you had any other options like that.
0: I, that was a, I remember yesterday on the panel, that was really an interesting question. It was about uh, whether you should put TVs in every bedroom. Um, And, I'm a strong believer that you can, but if there's an option between putting a TV or a piece of art and there's only one wall, you should probably put a piece of art. Um, if there's two walls, you can probably do both. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of, of longevity and, and replacement of items or uh, longevity and functionality, yeah, I don't really know that I have any kind of operational um, hacks hacks there. I think what's... Okay, here's what, what comes to mind, right? On that panel also yesterday, we were talking about having mural walls or having something that's a statement piece. Um, and I remember having a conversation with one of our, uh, I went to tour a vacation rental property uh, of one of our members and it was really amazing. And on that property, they had a swinging bench like one of those swinging bench that hangs on the, on the chains and it was on this beautiful, you know, uh, porch and had a beautiful view and the bench was facing the house. And I was like, (laughs) what's going on here? Like, why is the back of the bench facing the house? And he goes, oh, this bench is for the photo. So people want to sit in this bench and they want a picture with the background behind them. There's the creating the experience and the functionality of having another space where they can sit and enjoy the view. But this bench was intentionally put there because the view is amazing and you want to sit at the prop, you want to sit there and take a picture with the bent, you know, facing the house, but with the beautiful view behind you. Which I thought it was super interesting. It shows you what type of world we're living yeah. in. Yeah,
2: you know? people care more about the photo than the actual view.
0: Yeah. yeah, and like, I'm not saying, you know, gear everything towards that uh, and don't have functionality, but I thought it was a really interesting, you know, way to approach it. I think there were a lot of other areas that were activated to actually, you know, relax in and, and to enjoy the view, um, but this was really an intentional thing that was put there to, you know, a- a- as a hack to be able to like get that photo. Um, and you know, the house was doing really well. Yeah. So as far as, um, host GPO goes, will
1: we be able to find anything like, uh, you know, nest thermostats or like any automation tools, smart locks, any of that stuff?
0: Yes. Eventually. Um, we have some, some of those things available right now, but again, one thing that we really focus on at least with host GPO is we don't want to put anything on our site that is not better than whatever else is out there. And so electronics are something where it's like super thin margins on electronics and honestly a lot of your local stores, same thing with appliances, your local, you know, Best Buy or whatever it is, they're going to run on a loss leader on that item. So if you go into the store and you buy, you know, the TV, they might not be making money on that TV, but they're trying to get you in the store so that when you're on your way out, you grab the batteries, you grab the, you know, the other things, right? That's how retail is set up. And so for us the things that we don't have on our site, it's because I don't want to waste anybody's time. We don't want to waste anybody's time. Everything that's on here is the best. And so the deal is the best. The product is quality. And that's what we recommend. And eventually, as we keep growing, you know, we do have partnerships where we we're able to you know, do things like get TVs at a discount when you're buying 50. But that's not something that we like. Most of our membership is, is doing regularly. So we've talked a lot about where your company is today, but I would want to know
2: the journey it takes to get from when you started until now. From like a host
0: GPO perspective or vacation rental? GPO. Oh yeah. Um, So host GPO started with my vacation rental company and about 20 or so other vacation rental companies that all had a couple hundred uh, vacation rental units. And the idea was that we met, I met a bunch of them at a conference, a couple of them at a conference and it, you know, the networking that happens at these conferences is really cool. And I really, this, in a lot of ways, the community aspect of the short-term rental industry is still developing, which is awesome. But I remember being at this conference and there was this moment where somebody looked at somebody else and they were like, where where do you buy your mattresses? <laughs> and I was like, what, 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 do you, why, why is everybody whispering? Like, where do you buy your mattresses? And like, what do you pay? And like, it was this thing where people thought that it was like kind of a, uh, it was better, like a secret sauce, like where you're getting your mattresses from. But the truth is that in every other industry, GPOs exist. And so I was like, where do you get your mattresses from? Let's buy them together and let's figure out how to get them cheaper as a group. Um, And so that was really kind of the origin of, you know, I knew GPOs existed in other industries. Um, I knew that I was having issues buying. I mean, I was, uh, I'm out based out in Los Angeles and I remember buying, uh, going to the corner uh, to the mattress row. There's a mattress row on the corner like (laughs) Pico and Robertson. And I went in and out of every mattress store. I was setting up uh, like a, 24, it was a 16 unit, but it was like 24 bedrooms. So I needed to buy a bunch of mattresses just for that one project. And I remember asking, you know, hey, I need to buy this many mattresses. And every single mattress salesman was like, what are you doing with this many mattresses? And I was like, none of your, your business. Can, can I get a discount? And like, they didn't have, they didn't even have enough mattresses in the store. They're like, we can get it, but we have to order it. And, you know, like that was a, That was, that's, it was miserable. It sucked. And then, you know, that, that experience, combined with trying to figure out where everybody else was getting it combined with, you know, the 48 shopping, uh, Ikea shopping cart checkout with like 18 employees or 14 employees. Like that was a, it was a nightmare. And so meeting other people, discovering that we had these common problems and trying to create a solution for ourselves. I mean, I'll be straight. I was trying to save myself. I was trying to save myself money, um, and, and scale and, and create a business that was scalable. Uh, and that was really the, the way that I saw to do it. And then as we started to get bigger, as the group started to grow, we were able to kind of negotiate our deals. We didn't start with the deals that we had Um, as we've grown and gotten bigger as a, as a collective um, our deals have been getting better and better over time. How many people do you have on your team right now? So our, our team in like the U S like our, like actual team is low twenties, but our extended team includes at each of the brands that we partner with. So for example, you know, William Sonoma, um, Standard Textile, like we have full teams at those companies, 5, 10, 20 people that just handle host GPO orders. So I don't, they're not technically our employees, but we consider them to be part of our team because they're just handling our members' orders. You know, if you have an issue with your couch getting delivered, you shouldn't have to call you know, West Elm yourself or Pottery Barn yourself, you should be, or, or even call their business line or whatever, you should be able to just ask us and we can have it taken care of in a more advanced customer support method um, with direct communication where we have access to, you know, their systems and inventory and stuff like that. So really allows us to do, do more for our members that are operating businesses. And, you know, nobody, even if you order one couch, you're, you're probably not ordering. You're not the person that's just ordering one couch, like a regular retail consumer. You might be ordering one couch to replace in one of your hundred units. And you know, everybody should really have access to, to better support channels. So our immediate team, low twenties right now, um, we're, we're hiring very aggressively. We're growing very quickly. Um, but extended team, you know, hundred plus, like in, in between all the companies and, and outside uh, vendors that we work with. Wow. What's been your biggest challenge in scaling as your team is growing? Um, I think that this probably resonates with a lot of vacation rental folks, but um, I think that talent has just been um, hard to find. Um, You know, the, the great, um, you know, resignation, or or there's a lot of people moving and changing industries. We've been really, really fortunate. Um, Our team is actually comprised of a lot of vacation rental. Uh, It was a lot of members, a lot of members who signed up and they were like, this is cool. Can I get involved? I want to help out. I want to you know help build this community. And so we have found great talent that way. Um, But I think that that's, that's just been a, a general business thing that's that's existed. And then, um, you know, keeping up the level of support and and help that we generally offer, right? When you sign up for host GPO, it's really important to us that like you have an actual onboarding call. We talk to all of our members. It's not like a consultation, it's it's more of a what's going on in your business? Where are your units? What are you setting up? What's your roadmap? How can we help? Right. That part of it is really important to us because the main reason why we why I wanted to do this besides just, you know, helping out my own business was I wanted to help other people scale and grow their businesses. I really love this industry. I really love the fact that, you know, it got me out of my, my job and and allowed me to become self-sufficient and allowed me to, you know, really grow and be an entrepreneur. And I loved that journey and I learned so much and I made so many mistakes. And this is at least one small way that we can help um, people scale their businesses. So one challenge has been growing our team fast enough um, with talent to be able to really offer a consistent and like solid contact and network. I mean, we've grown very, very quickly, which is awesome. Um, But just kind of keeping up with the pace of the growth has been tough. Do you plan on adding any more uh, units to your actual portfolio? I don't think so. Um, But, you know, when you do this for seven, eight years, people always talk about how it's really hard to get off the ground in any real estate. uh, If you're an agent, if you're whatever, right, going in and out of any, um, Industry for the, at the beginning, you're knocking on doors, you're sending flyers, you're making cold calls, right? That's the very, very, very hard work up front. But what happens is over time, people know who you are uh, and they reach out to you. So now, you know, eight years or whatever in, I still get phone calls from people that are like, I have this deal. Are you interested? This sounds like something, you know, and, and it's really hard to not look. Um, it's a very addicting industry, right? If you get you start with a couple of units, like you're probably gonna get more um when you start realizing how great it is. Uh and if it works for you and you like it. So um not planning on it, but have a really tough time turning down um a good deal. So if it comes through, yeah.
1: Are there any markets specifically that if you were to buy that you'd be excited to purchase in?
0: Good question. Um I think right now there's a big trend. Well, you know, over the last couple of years, the trend has been remote locations within an hour or two drive from major metropolitan cities, right? That's been traditional vacation rental markets have been uh, really growing. I mean, you're seeing a lot of people in the Smokies, you're seeing a lot of people in, you know, Blue Ridge, you're seeing people in in Broken Bow, right? All of these kind of, uh, even like, even Joshua Tree to to a good extent, um, those markets where there are it is a traditional market. The demand has been established, but you have people going in purchasing and and really taking out the old cabiny log furniture and like upgrading and putting in the industrial pottery barn, reclaimed wood, like the beautiful images, like that kind of stuff. So there that's been my thing for the last couple of years. Maybe I would go into those markets. Right now, if it was me, I would probably consider buying in a, this is like the worst thing. Nobody's going to want to hear this, but I would buy in a heavily regulated major metropolitan city. That's what I would do myself Be- wow. because now I feel like I've gotten to the point where if I know the regulations, I know, th- I know the risk associated with it. I'm very comfortable navigating. I filed a lot of vacation rental permits before I'm comfortable navigating that space. I think it's a big barrier to entry. Um, and I think that if you do it responsibly and well and right, and you actually build all of those things into your model, that's a long-term um, you know, asset that that property is not going anywhere and i've gotten to the point now where i feel very comfortable having done all of the units that i've done uh i know there's not a lot of question marks left for me and so if i can get a gem property in a difficult market that's keeping people away where the supply is relatively low where i know that i can you know uh do it right uh i think that there's a lot of potential upside in, in those areas and i i see a lot of um you know I see a lot of urban travel kind of coming back as well so uh this in this year so we'll see. That's the first time I've heard that ever ever heard it for sure. It's a, you know it's not it's definitely not the conventional way to do it but I am also probably not I don't see myself going into uh like I was doing a lot of lease arbitrage and property management I was doing both um I don't see myself growing a massive massive amount of units I would personally just with the amount with where I am right now with my, my journey, I would probably focus on a real gem that I know is regulated that's going to last a long time. I mean, people are so obsessed with unit count. They're so obsessed with how many units you're running, how many homes you have, how many doors, how many keys. I'll take one great property that cash flows 10 bad properties with the same amount of messaging, same amount of, you know, one-tenth the headaches, um, long-term longevity. Like those, that's what I would focus on for for myself.
2: And then how many markets are you in? So do you see value in focusing on one market and
0: building your unit count in that specific market alone? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's definitely a value in the, in the, in diversifying your portfolio, especially if you're really trying to, to, to grow this as a, you know, long-term asset. I mean, I see people who get really, really heavily and I was very heavily invested in, in, in Southern California and got regulated away out of a bunch of different markets. And, Uh, or or other things happened, other things came up, the areas changed, whatever it was. So I think that I would probably say as a strategy to focus on diversifying your portfolio while trying to take advantage of the economies of scale that come with having multiple properties close to each other. So I wouldn't say get 50 properties in 50 markets, but I would say, you know, 5, 10 properties here, 5, 10 properties there is a much more... uh, Feasible way to, to grow because finding the cleaners, finding your operator on the ground, finding the maintenance people, right? That takes a lot of time. Entering a new market with one property takes a lot of time. So diversify, yes, but only to a certain extent. I think that you have to you have to be having some sort of value in in you know building out a team and being able to expand locally as well. Um, I think it's you know not super super clear cut uh, that you know having fifty properties in different fifty states is going to be a a good idea. Yeah, I mean we're realizing that with our own portfolio.
1: Just like if we enter one market, we want to have at least five properties in that market. You know, uh, it just makes it, it makes a lot more sense that way. You know? So um, let's get into the formal questions.
2: Yeah, so, so this is gonna be a different question than we normally do. I'm very curious what a day in the life of uh, the host GPO CEO looks like right now.
0: Huh, the general, it's been really hard uh, just because we've been growing so fast. Um, But the general routine now, I'm usually up 5.30. Um, I'm usually, you know, morning, uh, coffee, no phone, big no phone guy. No phone until the coffee is done, at least 15 minutes uh, in the morning and 15 minutes at night. Especially in this industry where you're going to wake up and grab your phone and there's going to be a message from a guest. It's inevitable. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I mean, I've had the crazy—we could do a whole, you know— series on on the crazy things that i've had seen in my properties and, and guest experiences i mean i've had you you name it i it's happened um but inevitably you're gonna wake up and grab that phone and there's that level of panic just from reading it and you're gonna overreact you, there's you're 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 not ready mentally to attack the day so you're gonna overreact um so i don't look at my phone in the morning uh have a coffee work out um and then usually i'm starting by seven thirty, uh like going, going with the day. Our team is, uh, in like five time zones. So we really have people working around the clock. So it's kind of, you know, checking in with everybody, updating. And then most of my day now consists of, uh, phone calls. I'm, I'm on the phone. I don't know, seven, seven hours a day. Um, talking to various members, um, you know, hiring people, managing the team, um, focusing on growth, dealing, you know, talking with our vendors. Uh, so a lot of phone calls is kind of what I've, I've fallen into, um, nowadays. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Yeah. I just, I, I am one of those people that really focuses on making space and making time for yourself. Um, but I also love what I'm doing right now. And it's, I never feel like I'm working when I'm working, which is, really, really, really cool when you, when you find it. And if you can find it, I don't think everybody has the, you know, it it takes a long time. Maybe you never will. Maybe, maybe work is something separate from you, but this has really become like a part of my life. And so, yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm on my phone a good amount throughout the course of the day. Uh, but that's kind of a a typical day, early morning, wake up, no phone, um, focus on myself, uh, do whatever I can do to, to get my head in the right place. And then, uh, when it's time to jump in, it's like, Non-stop phone calls and messaging and, you know, uh, zoom meetings and all, all of, all of the above, uh, for, for pretty much, you know, the rest of the day. Wow. Amazing. A lot of uncertainty in the market
2: right now. Where do you see the short term, short-term rental market headed?
0: I, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. In in the general market right now, but I think that the numbers for the last couple months of growth are very indicative of where the market is is going. I mean, what was it twenty three percent growth in in uh, unit counts? There were there were something like eighty thousand new listings in the U.S. last month. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so, I think people have different different thoughts on you know, is the market going to get oversaturated? Is there going to be more supply? Is there going to And I usually focus on the fact that I think that as more supply gets created in the space, especially good supply, this is like a whole nother nother kind of component of of the market and the industry. But what I love about what I see happening is the quality of units and homes is really elevated. Eight years ago, you could put anything together (laughs) and rent it. And like, that was cool because it was really profitable, but it wasn't cool because the experience was terrible. And now you really have to, you have to put, you know, the right shampoo, like people expect it, you know, good linens, quality linens. You can't buy the stuff that like is super staticky and whatever. People aren't going to be happy. Like you really need to like focus on creating a more elevated experience because that's what people are expecting. Now what's happening while that happens is more and more people are comfortable traveling to vacation rentals. And so, the actual demand is increasing as well. You're getting, uh, you know, during during COVID, for example, is a great example of uh, where you had a lot of folks who traditionally wouldn't even look at vacation rentals starting to look, you know, the older generations, uh, you know, a lot of uh, families traveling together with like multi-generational, that type of travel also expanded. So as the supply increased, it also got better. A lot of the units that were kind of on the lower tier were the ones that probably weren't booked. Those got kind of wiped out. And so... I see from the numbers supply increasing, but I don't think that it's going to negatively affect uh, the amount of demand. I think demand is also increasing at the same time. That's at least kind of my, my, my perspective on it. Um, That being said, travel, uh, you know, getting restricted, people being a little more hesitant with spending doesn't necessarily mean that bookings are going to go down. It just means that they might be coming from somewhere else. You Might have less international travel, travel. You might have more domestic travel. So, I, I think that there's always an opportunity somewhere. Uh, it's just a matter of finding where it is. I think that a lot of people made very smart pandemic pivots uh, and moved into, into the right area. So uh, the market is a little concerning right now, but I don't think that the vacation rental industry is you know in any sort of dire straits. Love that answer. Um, so
1: last final question. Um, our show is called Blue Gems. It's, it, it just basically means, you know what type of tip or um, gym or nugget that you can leave? And it could be about anything. It could be about life. It could be about morning rituals. It could be about host GPO, short-term rentals. What would you want to leave with the audience?
0: So I think uh, it's a great question. Um, And very Uh, (laughs) open-ended. I I think one thing that I think applies to all of that, right? A a philosophy or, or whatever you want to call it about life, but also short-term rentals, but also host GPO is I see a lot of people getting into this industry and really living without intention. And what I mean by that is they're not really planning what they're doing, right? They're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a unit. I'm going to set it up tomorrow. I'm going to you know run it. And, and, and that's how I'm going to, you know, going very impulsively. But I think both in life and also in getting into the space or growing your business being intentional with what you're doing both from the sense of what kind of what kind of home am i built, am i setting up who am i catering to am i going to use this myself or is this going to be who's who's going to stay here have that intention when you're planning out which property you're going to get when do i need to buy things when are they going to get delivered by have intention understand that planning and doing proper planning and buying the right materials the right goods the right unit setup um you know really doing the research and, and actually creating an intentional home um, is is the real gem and the real key to success you lose a lot of money time um, good goodwill you name it um and it's a lot of stress to to panic and do this very quickly um so I think having some intention when you go into um, setting up a home uh, especially in this space and just with with what you want to do uh, if you're gonna go into this industry I think is really in, is really important so I would say be intentional with your decision. Try to try to really commit if you're going to commit. And if you're not, don't, don't go half in half out and be intentional with, with, you know, what kind of a home you're trying to set up.
1: Love that. And then, uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about host GPO, more about Jeff?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, host GPO, uh, is hostgpo.com. Um, again, GPOs for group purchasing organization. Uh, you can sign up to join us. Uh, the first three months are absolutely free. There's no commitment. Uh, you can buy. You can purchase. You can look around. Um, we uh, that's where they can find out um, about Host GPO and um, me. I'm always available. So uh, if you sign up for an onboarding call, it'll probably be with somebody from our team. Um, but. I'm also there uh, to help as well. So, uh, that's kind of my, my story, my, my, my journey. Um, and I'm happy to share my experiences and, and help people grow their businesses. However I can. Awesome, man. Amazing. You Thank you so you much, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Of course thanks. Thanks so much. Yep, Thank you guys. JB dropping blue gems, AG dropping blue gems, new podcast, baby tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.